Welcome to the Thoughtcast. This is the in-depth section of the Response Podcast, where handsome guys chat about exclusive topics without sending guests of the field. This show is brought to you by greatness at anycast.com and austrian-legacy.com. You can support this show at patreon.com slash response underscore legacy. Now lean back and enjoy. Welcome to the second edition of Podcast, which is a subsystem of In Response, a legacy podcast, where we talk in depth about specific topic with an experienced guest of the field. This time, it's, it's my pleasure to run the show. I'm Peter Plank, and today I'm joined with another painter enthusiast, and this one is Callum Smith. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. Um, thank you for having me. Um, painter enthusiast indeed. And I've got to say, I love the name of the podcast, Thoughtcast. Great card. Artifacts are great. It's just cool to talk about it. Yeah. So we are joined. We will talk about some basic concepts. How does Painter work? What are Painter decks? Is Painter deck? Is Painter a deck or is Painter a whole archetype? What are some engine cards? What are some matchups? What are some cool new cards? And then in the end, we will talk about how to play Painter. So first of all, I have to say there's one mistake. It's not a deck. It's not an archetype. It's a lifestyle. That's completely true. <laughs> If you're once hooked with it, it's, it's just an insane yeah. deck or insane card combination to play. So mm -hmm. yeah, Callum, do you want to start with how does Painter work? Yeah, absolutely. So... Painter has been a deck in Legacy for an incredibly long time. I think since Shadow Moor came out. I gotta say, personally, I've always loved the deck, but I've not been a player of it for very long, just a couple of years really. But I've really started diving into it the last few years and just love it. So basically, Painter is a two-mana artifact. It's a scarecrow, so it's a cool creature, that matters. And it's a one-three. And when it comes to play, you choose a color, and then every card is that color. So that means every card in every each player's hands, in their deck, in play. And this combos with Grindstone. A Grindstone is an artifact from Tempest. It costs one mana to play. And you can tap it and pay three mana to activate it. And it says target player uh, mills two cards. And then if those two cards share a color, then you repeat this process. So the combo is Painter turns every single card in both players' decks the same color. And so you usually name blue, um, but you can name all different colors. There's loads of niche, cool situations where you name different things. It doesn't matter which one you actually name for the combo. And then they will mill their whole deck because every time they mill two, they'll share a color and then you'll repeat the process. So you mill the whole deck out essentially. So in short, it's it's an artifact combo mill deck. Yeah. Which is, an, it's, for legacy standards, it's an A plus B combo deck, which means like show and tell, you need one card and another card, which is in this case, painter plus grindstone. And the nice thing with it is it's it costs like six mana, but split across a really nice place in a curve. So you can play turn one grindstone, turn two painter, turn three activate grindstone, essentially. And because they're colorless as well, you get to use soul lands very efficiently, um, for producing extra mana. Um, so there's really like tons of ways to abuse it and build it and stuff. So this is why it's like kind of been a mainstay for a long time, because there is like, you know, there's removal for the painter or the grindstone. But at its heart, it's kind of stayed a very strong combo through the years, I think, just because it's quite cheap yeah 
it's it's a quite cheap combo you can play it low to the ground and for that it's a fan favorite i would say for the whole existence of the deck even though some yeah i would call it dirty blue decks um got some cool <laughs> cards banned for the deck like how was it called yeah. divining uh census divining top census divining top yeah, you could do some cool Goblin Welder tricks with that. You would tap it to draw a card and then weld the top out in response and stuff like that. Um, Painter's, like, yeah, fan favorite for sure because it's always been a deck which has been, like, in the past, it was it was pretty much a tier one deck. There was, like, blue-red versions as well that were, like, countertop ones that played Intuition and stuff. But it's never been oppressive. It's never been frustrating to play with. It is, you know, you can play removal spells like Lightning Bolt and Source Splashes on the Painter. It's easy, in a sense, to interact with. And it just has, like, a really... Uh, interesting and an unusual play style and stuff so yeah i don't think i don't know i'd, I'd be str i'd struggle to meet anyone that doesn't like painter honestly it's yeah. just such a cool way of playing the, the game yeah for sure and i mean the combo has some clear weaknesses for example with null rod which was back in the days a really really hard card to deal with like we got now prismatic ending which is a clean answer if you're playing the the white versions of the deck but yeah we have some clear weaknesses and yeah you, and it's sometimes your opponent's a medium puts an emerald in their deck and then you, <laughs> you can't mill them out so you'd have to like go through the lengths of getting like a tormod's crypt and crypting them in response to the emerald trigger and stuff and so yeah there is a lot of like interesting weird things as well where it's, it's kind of bad against so and recently endurance has come along where they can cast an endurance after you've activated grindstone to put their graveyard in their library again so there's plenty of counterplay that's what makes it so cool yeah Exactly. This card was, again, a hard hit for the deck. But in the <laughs> same set, we got another card we will talk about later, which is Urza Saga, which basically puts the deck, I would it's say, right. <laughs> into tier 1.5 or tier 2 for sure. Again. Yeah, probably. I, I, think the top, I think the top of tier 2, it's around there. Yeah. yeah. And I think this is a good place for the deck. So, but... Yeah. We talked about Painter the deck, but what is Painter the deck? Um, we have some few archetypes within Painter, I would say. We have for sure the, the Stompy uh, playstyle Painter decks. Um, and for example, we have the, the combo Painter decks and a small subsection, sub uh, which are the value decks. Um, but the, the most um, played archetype, I would say, are the Stompy shells. And the front runners in the shell is shortcake, so strawberry shortcake, which is the red white shell using enlightened tutor, and was previously playing uh, Senses divining top, and the other pretty big um, player in painter is the imperial red painter decks, which are playing the fourth imperial recruiter, which is a mainstay. Uh, within Painter, but this uh, version specifically is playing a mono-red version uh, with Blood Moon and stuff like that. Yeah, the, the, these two have been like the, the, as you say, the mainstays over the years. There's always been different splashes and different approaches. Like before Urza Saga came along, Imperial was also like a four Blood Moon, um, one to three Megas of the Moon kind of deck. And it, it used to, in back in the day, it used to play like four Simeon Spirit Guides as well, a lot of fast mana. And you were like essentially a Blood Moon Stompy deck, which, you know, would, would kill with the painter side of things because, yeah, you just had like a lot of synergy with red fast mana as well and stuff. And 
yeah, Enlightened Tutors seen like a funny fall from grace. It's still played as a one-off sometimes, <laughs> but I don't know. Card Advance is just so bad these days. Yeah. F- for me personally, I, I've been playing tons of Imperial. I'm approaching it from the sense of I love basic lands and I think they're just incredibly powerful. So I don't know. I, I still like get Wasteland out of the game, even with like eight or nine basics in my deck, but sometimes 10. So I've always valued the basic lands, but I'm also treating it of a like a to be really, really sloppy and cheesy, like a journey. So I want to start with Imperial and I want to try a lot of different styles now. So I've tried a Moonstomp version. I've like played Imperial Recruiters in all different numbers with Khan, without Khan, all these different things. Uh, now I'm about ready to start playing uh, Shortcake. I'm going to you know jump into that more, I think, next. And then there's just like tons of different versions. There's Mono Blue as well and White and all these things. So I'm taking my time going through it. But yeah, those two are the, the ones you see most over the years. Yeah, exactly. Those are the versions that are playing for sure. Um, four to six soul lands. I think they are currently at six. With uh, six is yeah, yeah, two city and four tombs, pretty stock. It's pretty stock. And now with the new card, which is Uta Saga, which is kind of a nombo with some moon effects, but the card on its own is just way too good to pass on in any Delver deck, uh, in any painter decks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a bad slip there. <laughs> Giving yourself away as a devil player. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, as a, as a saga, do we want to talk about that now? I think we, we kind of have to talk about it now because it's just yeah. a really, really good card. It's a new card. It's from Modern Horizons 2. It's an land enchantment, which is a saga in the name. Um, and it has basically the three chapters. The chapter one says that it taps for a colorless, which is... Kind of drawback for a land most of the time, but in Painter you have, you are you are using the colorless mana to cast some cards like Grindstone, or Painter itself and stuff like that. On the other side, uh, the second chapter says that you it gains the ability to tap. Uh, you have to use two colorless mana and uh, two generic mana and tap it uh, to produce an basically XX um, creature token uh, and x is the amount of artifacts you control and the third chap- chapter tutors a one drop or an artifact with um, exactly cmc zero or cmc one in its um, yeah man- mana cost so you can't get an artifact land because it has nothing in the mana cost but you can get something like a mox opal or the grindstone which is a huge, huge uh, pump for the deck because back in the days you had um, the Imperial Recruiter to total up your painters, uh, which is like eight painters you can play, but you didn't have the, the, the tutor for the Grindstone except for the previously mentioned Enlightened Tutor. So it is a huge pump because the deck got way more consistent. You have some mana that you can use for it and another angle of attack with the tokens. Absolutely. It, it kind of revolutionized the deck, right? So as you say, it is a number with Blood Moon. So if anyone's not clear, um, when there's a Saga in play and then you play a Blood Moon, the Saga just instantly goes to the graveyard because it loses its abilities. And it, it's not a Saga anymore. So it doesn't matter which way, which ones came first. If you play a Blood Moon and there's a Saga in play, it dies. Or if you play a Saga while Blood Moon's in play, it just goes to the graveyard immediately. So the deck kind of rebuilt itself, right? So it cut the Blood Moons. And I think Blood Moon is very powerful in the format right now. 
Uh, Delver started playing some basic islands, but they weren't for a long time, so they couldn't cast their Merc Tides. And the control or mid-range decks are like playing 10 colors and casting arrows <laughs> and stuff. So it's very effective against them. But Saga's just, it's just incredible what it does. So first of all, the, the threat of the tokens is legit. Um, before Dress Down got played even more, it was just like you could play a Saga against Control and they wouldn't know what to do. You <laughs> you make a construct, you make a second construct, and then if you played a second Saga, they're just like, oh my god, this, they keep coming. And, um, you know, a lot of decks... Painter, I haven't liked it myself, but a lot of decks play the Retrofitter Founder as well yeah. to keep pumping out tokens after. Um, I do think the most important thing is just an uncounterable and consistent way to find Grindstone, though. I found myself at the, at the beginning of playing Saga, I was making loads of constructs, but I found myself actually thinking it's a little bit of a trap. Like, you do that in some matchups, but if they deal with them, it's a tempo swing, you lost the constructs, and then you end up trying to win with the combo after they've dealt with your board presence, and then you're, like, halfway between do I win with the combo or, or pressure. So I very often just, like, make one construct, and then if they, the opponent looks like they're in a position to deal with it, I'll be probably floating mana and casting spells the next turn. Um... Where it also has become huge is against like opposing Chalice decks. So Painter's been like an artifact deck that just hates Chalice decks. <laughs> Usually not this way around. It's quite funny. And I've always thought like Chalice and Goblin Weld, there's got to be some shell with them somewhere together, but it never works. But Gob uh, but Painter, almost all the versions are low to the ground with lots of one drops. Yep. And so if, you, if you're facing a Chalice and then you don't have a Goblin Welder in play, you're not going to get a Grindstone out. So you were kind of locked out. But now Painter Servant just... I mean, sorry, as a saga, <laughs> you could fetch the grindstone under the chalice. And this has come up a lot, actually. It's a ton yep. against eight cast and the moon stompy. Um, it also gives just like a really easy goldfish of turn one saga, turn two painter, and then turn three, you're threatening a kill. Just yep. with those two cards. You do need a second land, but that's it. So there are a lot of combo matchups where you do just need to goldfish. And this curve is amazing. It's I guess it's similar to the grindstone, but then you need a third land if you're just casting the grindstone turn three. It's powerful. And um, it just like finds uh, bullets as well. So you can have a Pithing Needle to stop um, opposing Planeswalkers or Thespian stage strategies and stuff like that. You can get a Solgai Lantern to stop graveyard things. And these things are really good as well with all the welders and stuff. Like you have more things to weld in and out, especially Solgai Lantern or Tormund's Crypt. You can you really, really abuse them against graveyard strategies. Um, yeah, it's just one of these things where like it just does everything the deck wants. And it also allows you to play less grindstones. I know you were saying you want more, you want the tutors, but with I've gone down to two grindstones. At the beginning it was like four, then three, and now two has been like the sweet spot I found. And often you have cons and you have the third in the sideboard. Because it's a it's a really bad card to draw early yep. if you don't have the painter or if you're not threatening a combo. It just does nothing. It's just an artifact in play. So you're getting to play less quote unquote bad cards. Yep. And yeah, just it just really brings the deck together, so it's just a staple, and it's, I would say, catapulted the deck from, like, middle, bottom of tier two to, like, proper top of tier two, pushy into tier one at times. Uh, yeah. It's it's a really great deck, thanks to Saga, basically. Yeah, Saga was just really, really good. It, it basically can provide you anything you want from the deck. I'm, for for example, a huge sucker for Pirate Spellbomb, which is like a, a premium removal spell, which can draw a card, <laughs> yeah. which is huge in all of my builds. And yeah, as you said, Piffing Needle, Soul Guide Lantern, everything you can, uh, everything you want. If you're playing black, you can play Nihil Spellbomb to draw you again some cards. 
and Saga can do anything for you. You can play if if the meta for your FNM is like basically really really grindy and they're hard at answering them. You can get like an expedition map in there that you can two drop the second Saga, which is a tech that is mostly used in modern. I would say, but I love that. But yeah, <laughs> it's just a really really grindy good card, and it does go under the counter spells of your opponent, which is really really yeah. great. Yeah. So the as we previously said, um the differences between short kick and imperial is basically the, the white splash um for cards like the Enlightened Tutor. And another big one is there the Ephus One Canonist, which is basically in there since forever, which is a good a main deck hate piece against storm variants and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's the Enlightened Tutor, what it brings is just like I agree. It's Canonist, and then it's also Blood Moon and Lion's Eye Diamond are the three things that, like, having access to those three things in whatever games is, like, it really makes the difference between Imperial. So you are sacrificing your mana, like, you know, Plateau is going to get Wasteland and stuff, but LED lets you combo faster, like, by just sacking it for three mana to activate Grindstone. The Canonist, as you say, can be lights out against Storm decks. It's a really powerful tool to have in game ones, because otherwise you're kind of dead to them. You just need to, like, combo them quickly and hope it works, but you're usually slower. And having access to Blood Moon, even in an Urza Saga deck, um, I often sideboard two or three Blood Moons because they are so powerful in the good matchups that you're willing to have your Sagas be dead when you want the Blood Moon active. So in License Shooter lets you play like a Blood Moon in the main deck. And so if you play against the the four or five color control decks and just get to slam a Blood Moon, they, that, that's just going to win you the game. So it is definitely worth it. Yeah, definitely too. And another thing is that the Enlightened Tutor is basically an additional copy of something like an Ensnaring Bridge 2 in the deck, which is like a mainstay as a as a one-off or sometimes a two-off in those decks. Sometimes you just got to get a Great Furnace as well. Yeah, <laughs> you can get yeah. the second land, which is or the third land to, to get the combo at the end of the turn mm -hmm. with the Plateau to fetch up another land, which is sometimes needed. So... Mm -hmm. Let's move on to the next archetype, which is the combo variants. They are a lot more focused on getting to the combo and and playing another game. Because like Shortcake and Imperial Painter are a painter deck which want to win with the combo, but they have the element of the the, the prison archetype with the Blood Moon and stuff like that. Or sometimes Yeah, you'll be surprised how grindy they are. Yeah, like if you, if you've never played against them and you're playing a mid range or a control deck, you'll be amazed how like they can play slow. They can play grindy. Yeah. They make they put a lot of one ones and two twos and stuff on the board. They have cons very often. It really really does grind. And so yeah, yeah, you'll be surprised. That's that's true. That's it's something that I really really like about Painter. That if the first combo doesn't work out, you aren't dead because you have some leftovers on the field. They can interact with some of them but not all of them most of the time so you have something that can deal with them in the later stages of the game and just wait until you have goblin welders welding out nickel wellspring yeah something <laughs> like that back in the days that's my favorite back in the days yeah. with another card that got banned for blue deck since astrolabe um it was mm -hmm. just yeah if you don't have the it combo so nice in the deck you don't want to fetch up another combo piece I was playing a four-color control deck with Painter in that, and the first Goblin Engineer just got 
the second astrolabe and then you were just bouncing astrolabes <laughs> for for the next four turns drawing you four cards so nice and you just yeah grinded them into oblivion and god damn it blue players <laughs> imagine we had astrolabe and top it would be so nice <laughs> painter would be where yeah saga fetching top something yeah saga fetching top <laughs> then we have more weld effects i mean oswald doesn't work i in think that. i think we'd actually gr yeah. i think we'd just grow to hate miracles with as a saga as their wink on more than anything else <laughs> yeah. So, yeah let's hope that <laughs> i mean regaman got yeah. banned so that Ultra saga doesn't get banned for painter so it's kind of good <laughs> yeah i think it's safe it's safe no saga is pretty safe in in legacy we have yeah. wasteland to deal with it so i can't imagine that it will get banned Absolutely. in the next few it's, years it's it's i adore the card because it's the biggest boost to non-blue i can remember and it's incredible it is like you know you can see some players complain that it's a broken card and it is like bordering on broken it's so powerful what it does for its cost it's like it's a land that goes and gets a permanent and makes two bodies I, yeah. it's just incredible but like i don't know like we had we had the uh the ragavan decks that were like sagavan or whatever you want to call it yeah and there are some blue decks that are playing it but it's really hard to you do need to commit to it so I don't know. I think it's just genius design to introduce this yeah. card that blue decks are struggling to play themselves. Uh, it's just such a shot in the arm to like, so obviously Painter we're talking about, but like lands and eight casts and so many decks just love it and blue decks struggle with it. So it's it's great to have in the format, I think. Yeah, it has basically some text on it that says you kind of have to skip on cantripping the next two turns, which is a huge cost for blue decks. And for the other decks, you kind of want to do something and if a 2-2 two -two or 3-3 three -three or even a 1-1 one -one construct is the best thing that you can do, it's something you can do with a land. And it does mm -hmm. cost you some form of deck building restrictions, but it's a really, really good card that you can play with. And the package isn't that big. It's most of the time like seven to eight cards that you want to include in your deck, which are like the four lands or three lands, how, however you uh, construct your deck. And a few forms of, of cards that you want to fetch up, like the previously mentioned Retrofit Foundry, the Piffing Needle, and stuff like that. So it's a really, really good engine that can combat the, the force of yeah, countering spells from the blue side. And blue, blue decks, uh, we now talk about the combo decks in the paint archetype which is basically the blue red version which is currently i think the the most played one and the there are still floating around the rug versions which are playing currently uh euro and stuff like that they are combo but on the other side have some form of a mid-range engine that is completely different to to the stompy archetypes like shortcake and imperial um, some main cards in there are, yeah, they are playing blue, so they are playing Brainstorm, Ponda, Force of Will. And with that, you have a lot more consistency and keep can keep like thinner um, starting hands, I would say. Yeah, so they're, they're like, as you say, consistency is great, right? Ponda and Brainstorm, we know they're amazing. They, they get the consistency, but what they lose is access to soul lands essentially is the main thing um and you know you may think like oh well obviously ponder and brainstorm are better but i think the fact that imperial and shortcake are played more kind of is testament to actually soul lands are really really busted as well 
And when you you can build your combo around it and like you make the mana work with Ancient Tomb, this this card is still like you know one of the top ten cards in the format. Probably it's it's incredibly powerful. So yeah, also by like you know you get to play fetch lands and stuff, but you I don't know. There's something about these archetypes that for me just doesn't meld well together. Yeah. And it's not because I want to like play the the all uh, like clean artifact based things and stuff. I'm not against playing cantrips with Painter, but I don't know like. Painter is, it's a, it's a low to the groundish combo, but not so much that you can afford all this cantripping time. So you then yeah. need to put a bunch of interaction in your deck to get you the time. So, you know, Imperial does play Lightning Bolt and stuff, and it does play the Pyroblasts, but all this stuff takes up slots, and part of the power of these Painter decks is they play a lot of tutors, so you do get these toolbox cards like Imperial Painter or Urza Saga, and you only have so much deck building space. So I don't know, like with the with the cantrip ones and Uro and stuff, do you even play Saga? Probably not. Mm-hmm. And then you're having to put Grindstone in your deck, which is not great. And I don't know. I it feels like trying to do too many things. Yeah. I've seen the the blue red versions playing Merktide. So that seems good because you don't it doesn't matter if you put bad cards <laughs> in your deck. You could just play a Merktide and force a will there removal and attack them. But like, I don't know. For me personally they don't go together too well. Yeah. Saying that there are like the Imperial or ish versions that are playing once upon a time recently uh, yep. roger sykes shout out to him he won the uh, buffalo chicken dip with red green painter recently and it's essentially for once upon a time which i don't know maybe we're all sleeping on this card and i mean it's obviously great in the format but i mean sleeping on it in painter uh he sang its praise and said it was amazing so yeah i think we should all try that a bit, bit more but interestingly he wasn't even playing veil of summer it was like just for once upon a time Veil is a cool card with Painter as well yep. because you turn everything blue. But everyone was excited about that when it was around. But in hindsight, you know, Pyroblast just does it better. Like, yep. Pyroblast is just better than Veil of Summer. So Yeah. But Veil of Summer is a card that you have to respect with naming a color with Painter, which is, like, basically yeah. a huge factor when Veil of Summer was around that you can't really name blue or black again with, with Painter because if they have the Veil, they can just wail in response to the grindstone activation. They are hex, uh, they get hexproof from yeah, black or blue, as he said it, with the painter and. You could talk. We could talk about like which colors you should name and don't name for hours. Yeah. One of my favorite moments of the painter Discord was like for two days they were discussing like all the niche cases. It's like, so the the main ones are like you don't name black versus snuff out. Um, True. You try not, now with all the pitch elementals, you try not to name the color that the opponent's deck is. So against DNT, naming white, uh, or against like Moonstompy, naming red for Fury and Solitude. Exactly. And then, as you said, if they could if they could have Veil Summer, you don't want to name blue or black. <laughs> but then you are playing Blasters in your deck. Um, <laughs> a, a very funny thing I've seen is if you're playing against like another deck that has Pyroblasts, it's this guessing game of did they bring in their own Pyroblast <laughs> game to in case you name blue. So I try to not name blue in game twos and game threes, but the most common thing is like game two, you don't see them. And then if you name blue game two, they will probably bring them in for game three. Yeah. And this, uh, I named um, black recently on Magic Online just because I think black looks the coolest online. Yeah. And then I played against um, Enchantress and then they played a elephant grass, which says black creatures can't attack. So do not name black against Enchantress. Um, which, yeah, there's so many yeah. things you could do. It's it's so funny. Yeah. And something is like naming green against um, decks that are playing Endurance and stuff like that. Which is mm, and force of vigor and force yeah. of vigor, yeah. They are, yeah. yeah. It's it's not that easy. Then I would say a few years ago to name a color with painter, with yeah. a, a lot of free cards like like the force effects, uh, basically. 
because yeah, previously only Force of Will was the only card that was yeah. playable. I mean, Contagion got... The nice, the nice thing with Painters is when you name blue in your blue cantropy versions, you can then pitch like lands to Force of Will. Yeah. But so can your opponent. I was doing that so much back in the days <laughs> when I was it's playing fun. the four-color Painter deck. Yeah. Excelling like a flood of strength. Pitch Astrolabes. And... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah. Something that we, we talked about with blue cards not aren't really uh, able to abuse something like Urza Saga... And it's basically the same here in the blue-red versions and stuff like that. Because you have the cantrips that you want to cast to find your combo pieces, but on the other hand, you want to make tokens with the Urza Saga. And, you, and if you aren't playing Urza Saga, you are missing a crucial angle of, of attack in the deck. So it's kind of a, a really, really big trade-off to, to trade in consistency for speed and good cards. And yeah, it's kind of hard for me now to 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 play something like the blue red or the rock version even though i'm a, a huge fan of playing blue decks even though i'm now playing my own version of painter now for basically a, i think a year now should it should be like the the ban of astlab should be a year ago and stuff like that um so i'm i'm really finding success kind of in playing non um, cantrip oriented decks which is a, a skill that you have to kind of obtain I think because the, if you switch from a blue deck to a non-blue deck the keeper mulligan decision gets so much worse because in a blue deck you have yeah I have two lands two cantrips and some random cards I can keep the hand if you're having a non-blue version of any deck if you're for example like Imperial Painter you have two lands two cards or five other cards it really really depends what the five other cards are and even what the lands are because if there is no colored source in there and you need some colored mana for like goblin welder goblin engineer and stuff like that the hand isn't keepable either so it's really really hard it's 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 definitely a big step away um i was also like a blue player for most of my legacy like playing career and stuff and i think it was just a couple of years ago that I started to really step away I used to like play uh, Jund and Nickfit a lot at my local game store, but like I got into Esper Stoneblade as my first real deck and stuff, and then was playing Miracles when Miracles was good and all that kind of thing. So it definitely takes some getting used to. As you said, the the opening hand thing is the hardest thing, and sometimes you just have to like you know embrace the 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 variance with open arms. Like you know, if you had a really good hand, be like, right, I need a colored source. You you take these shots a lot with yeah. these kind of decks. Like you you let yourself get lucky or unlucky. And then when you do, this is how your like really busted and strong hands come about sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Because you are still in the end an A plus B combo deck without any or without any cantrips, but with a lot of tutors. Some tutor that we haven't mentioned in detail about tutoring cards is a printing of the previous Modern Horizon set. And this one is Goblin Engineer, which is a, a version of Welder, I would say. Which is a two CMC version, which can or which tutors most of the time up an artifact, which is most of the time the the second combo piece you need. Something like the painter when you have the grindstone, or the grindstone when you have the painter, and it can activate for one red mana, which is a really really cost in that slot because welder is able to do it for free, which is like way better. I mean, doesn't. <laughs> 
it is it is you can say it welder is just insanely powerful it's, yeah. it always surprises me when i do stuff like yeah i've, I've been playing a bonus assist on the deck recently and you play like turn one welder turn two uh, engineer and search for it and then you just use this little one drop to put a citadel and play it's like wow this card is great yeah but the the, the tutor ability of engineer is so powerful yeah. um i completely agree i find the the activation thing like yes yeah, it's, it's hard to use a lot of the time yeah um if it, if anyone's new to the deck and get into it like you do use it but it's yeah the one mana is a real cost and like Having to sacrifice the artifact as part of the ability to then is also a pretty real cost because the way Engineer works is, yeah, it says sacrifice an artifact, pay one red, and then you return something from graveyard to play. This really opens you up to something like Endurance, uh, like putting your graveyard on the bottom of your library or a Tormoz Crypt. The difference is uh, Goblin Welder, you choose an artifact in play and an artifact in the graveyard, and then you basically switch them. It yep. does count as a sacrifice technically. But if your graveyard and then the, the target of it is then gone when the ability tries to resolve, you don't have to sacrifice the thing in play. Yeah. Also, Welder targets your opponent's <laughs> stuff. This is so good. Uh, it comes up not that often, but when you do it, it feels amazing. Like I uh, made top four at a paper event a couple of weeks ago, and in the in the semis, I played against like a blue-white Delver player. And I ended up losing, got beaten pretty hardly. But um, one of the plays I got to do in game two to try and survive, I was like at four life and I had like one land. I wasn't drawing lands, but I had a welder in place. So I got to Pyrokinesis, an Esper Sentinel and a Stoneforge Mystic and then weld the so the Esper Sentinel back in against the Cauldra Complete. Because yeah. he was just like, you know, how are you going to beat this? It's indestructible. You can't beat it. I said, nah, I've got <laughs> welder. Welder does everything, man. It's cool. Yeah. But sorry, I'm getting distracted. Uh, Engineer, though, the, the Entomb for an artifact is so powerful because, yep. as you say, the, the extra pieces. And I found it, like, so powerful with sideboard options as well. So whenever I build my sideboards, there's usually some Khans. So you're building for Saga targets, for Khan, and for Engineer. So I very often have now, these days, two Torpor Orbs and two Tormod Scripts in my sideboard. So I can sideboard one in and have one to Khan for. Yep. And then very often you're just, like, engineering for this Torpor Orb against dnt or doomsday or whatever and just like having it threatening to have it online turn two with a turn one welder or turn three with just the engineer itself is it's kind of switched the dnt matchup from horrific 90 percent uh they're favored to now 50 50 yeah. maybe more with top Orb. and something so. that we have to mention here is top Orb doesn't stop painter because uh painter has written on it not uh, when Painter enters the battlefield, so on an as Painter enters the battlefield. So that yeah. means it does uh, keep the color or it is allowed to, to choose the color. And another huge thing uh, is that if, I mean, it was way more uh, relevant in the, back uh, in, the, in the earlier times with Oko running around, that if Painter got elked, the cards are still blue or whatever color you choose because it's a different layer i don't want to get layers man <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it also works with dress down which comes up quite a lot right yeah it's so although it's important to know if painter is in play and then someone plays a dress down everything will stay all the colors of the color you name yeah but if you play a painter or try and weld one in and then they play a dress down in response you don't get to choose a color yeah and so everything just stays normal Layers, man. I, don't, I still don't know how they work, but I just learned the interactions a little bit, maybe. <laughs> and specifically for Imperial Painter versions, um, it's the same for Magus of the Moon. Um, so yeah. there it doesn't matter when it come, when the, the, the Dressdown comes into play, 
but yeah, everything is still a mountain. That's just how we like it. Yeah. So with talking about engine and stuff like that, we are getting into the, the engine cards of Painter, which is the previously mentioned Goblin Welder and the Goblin Engineer, which is a core piece of like, I would say 95% of the Painter decks. And yeah. we have some outliers here, which are Emery Lock of the Lock, which is, which was basically a huge drive for, for, for the blue decks, which, yeah, swang a little bit down, I would say. And Emery is still a format defining card, I would say, with, with eight cast variants, where it's a huge player. Yeah. It's a free drop. Yeah, it's, a, it's an absurd card. Yeah. It's so, so powerful. But... The thing is, like, you look at it and you read it and you're like, okay, well, this is like a Goblin Welder. You can cast things. But actually, it plays incredibly differently. Yeah. And so I think you need to build your deck really around it. So you need to be more combo-focused. Where Welder and Engineer are so good is because they beat removal on like at instant speed, essentially. So when you activate a grindstone, you have a Painter in play. Your opponent bolts the, the Painter. You can let it die, and then you just weld it back in with the grindstone trigger still in the stack. Yeah. Um, I cannot sing like welder and engineers praises high enough, especially welder. Like I, I, as I've gone along and I've learned the deck more and more, I find myself Imperial recruiting for a welder, like more than 50% of the time. Honestly, it's just, it's, it is the little card that just makes the deck tick. I think without welder painter would be in a weird place. Like you'd have to be a stompy deck and stuff. It really lets you grind, lets you fight through removal, lets you just do so much. Like sometimes you're playing against, a control deck and you know they have like two swords a force of vigor like all this stuff in hand but you're threatening the combo so they it's like whoever blinks first and then you just keep playing welders you play an imperial recruiter get another welder and then eventually you have like four of this effect in play and you you outpower their removal spells yeah um it also saves things from being sourced plowshared or prismatic ending and stuff like by sacrificing them so emery though because she's essentially a sorcery speed activation for all intents and purposes so yeah she's because she mills the graveyard as well, um, it's probably like, could say it's a more powerful card sometimes. Um, you don't need to sacrifice something in play. You just play these things yeah. out and stuff. So with the right uh, build around, she's probably a little bit of a better card, but you do need to, you know, really keep it in mind. You're not, you're probably, you need to have another plan for all the removal spells essentially, which is yeah. usually Chalice of the Void. Yeah. The, the card is very, very different to play with. Something that uh, came up when I was playing it was like, yeah, you kind of get cards back and stuff like that. But the problem for me was with my previous build that my cards didn't sacrifice itself. So the vi the value was kind of prohibited because, yeah, my cards didn't go to the graveyard again. So you have to yeah, play yeah. something like a chromatic <laughs> star and stuff like that, that you can purposefully put back into the graveyard that you can cast it again. And yeah, that was... Or that is a very, very different playstyle of the card. And yeah, Goblin Weld and Engineer I think yeah, just different. Yeah, they're just different. And I think it's a better like engine of the deck. It's a better approach. Like These two cards together <coughs> play so well together. And they just play so well with Painter and Grandson, right? Yeah. It's hard to find a, a better match. And like they just, the angles of play and the things they do, like it's hard to really summarize without playing with or against them. Yeah. They just do so much. But... I think the like the blue or blue white space is very underexplored. Yep. Um, Emery's amazing. I think Oswald Fiddlebender is incredible as well. Um, 
you know, you mentioned Chromatic Star. I think like Chromatic Star is fantastic with Oswald as well. It's a nice cheap thing you can sacrifice and get a draw off it. Um, like they're both legends. It's a bit of a downside because yep. Caracas has kind of played a ton. So, you know, that's that's a very real cost with Emery and and Oswald. But there are there's a lot of good blue white cards, and you get to play like Esper Sentinel as well, which is very good now. Yep. Just like that card, you do need to have enough of a like either a clock or a threatening of the combo fast enough right so it's a card that drops off quite quick i think you you can't just like play it and then start playing some chromatic stars and then like generating value and value and value because your opponent will make land drops and yep. then eventually just pay the one each time but yeah uh, i don't have a, a ton like of things to say right now but blue white there's there's got to be some other kind of combo things i think like Urza is also really good, and yep. in blue white you get Thopter Sword, which is very good to like um, Oswald into and stuff off the one drops. Yep. So there's, there's probably some things there to look into. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, you, you mentioned that Oswald. Oswald is just another pretty big card that came up in a recent set. It was in Dungeon and Dragons, and he just tutors up a card, puts it onto the battlefield for one man and sacrificing an artifact and putting it something in with plus one i think you you can't put an even mana cost so you have to put yeah so if you sacrifice a one drop it, it, a two drop yeah yeah exactly and two into three it's like a birthing pod yeah but it has to be exactly the one above um there is there is a mono white version of painter yeah which, which is really abusing it nicely which is cool when i first read oswald i was very disappointed to see it was only sorcery speed yeah. i thought <laughs> at the beginning you could like grindstone activate it whole priority and then weld it into a painter but it's it's fair enough yeah um i think so i think Oswald, there's tons more shells to find as well. Yeah. It's need more exploring. I think if if it would be at instant speed, it was, would be just way too good. That's that's the problem, I think. Yeah. It's still a 2-mana two 2-2 two -two legend that like yeah. needs a turn to yeah, get that's, around. That's true. That's but true. yeah, <laughs> it would be a massive upgrade. It would be pretty sweet. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And yeah, something that you mentioned, the, the Mono White build, which was in the Discord a lot. Uh, discussed uh, spef specifically after, um, yeah, Thraben University um, basically yeah. went five over with the list or something like that. There's a guy called Eddie the Intern, I think, is the the guy that's been made it first and pushing it. Yeah, I think he he but, yeah. sent the lists to to um, how's it? Oh, okay, to Phil. To Phil, uh, that he plays yeah. it, and the list is just really really good, abusing some stuff like Ingenious Smith. Which is a mainstay modern now, which is a that that card is fantastic. Yeah. And also, my surname is Smith, so people are saying I should call myself Ingenious <laughs> Smith, but it's a bit arrogant. <laughs> I don't know, but um, that card is great. I've been so impressed by it. Like it grows to four, four, five, five very fast without doing anything. Yeah. And sometimes it says look at the top four, look at the bottom four cards of your library. But hey, that's that's those effects. Yeah, but like, at least it's. Still a thing that grows for one each turn. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. And something like it does it, it does grow on the first turn most of the time. So you just yeah. play it for two, then play an artifact land or another one drop in your deck and stuff like that. And you still have a two mm -hmm. two. And the next turn you have a free free and a I mean it's the third turn of the card, but then it's bolt proof and stuff like that. And it yeah. still draws your card most of the time. It can also trigger on each turn. So yep. if you have a um, retrofitter foundry in play, you can make like a token on your opponent's turn and grow it. And Urza Saga too. Yeah, Urza Saga. Or like that deck plays Aether Vial, so you can file in an artifact creature. Yep. There's little, there's things you can do to grow it pretty fast. Yep. Um, so yeah, 
I don't know. I wonder if Painter, like other versions, could play it. Or I guess the artifact count has to be pretty high for it. Yeah, the the problem is that the artifact count, uh, because as we mentioned in the most of the decks, you are playing like four to six uh, pyroblast or red elemental blast effects. So it's kind of a huge downside to to play more. I think you actually only play like ten artifacts in Imperial, something like that. Yeah, you play (laughs) four painted, two grindstone, four great furnace, and then like one or two little tutor targets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. it's it's pretty pretty <laughs> low. I mean, on my, <clears throat> on my painter list because I'm playing Esper Sentinel, I'm way higher mm-hmm. because I, I I still want to use something like a Moxipal to to have some explosive draws. Even though I'm more on the fair side of the spectrum, I would say. But yeah, I I think Ingenious Smith is a hard card to build around, even though it looks pretty pretty easy because a, a lot of the cards aren't artifacts in the deck. So yeah. Yeah, good point, good point. But, yeah. So, the last engine card is Urza Saga. I think we have talked about the card a lot now. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah, it's just good. <laughs> it's Yeah. it's. I, I, I can't see myself playing a painted deck without it. Yeah. Um, for, for one of the showcase challenges three-ish weeks ago, I registered a deck which had four main deck Blood Moons and more Fast Mountain and four Soul Lands and no Sagas because... Um, Ragavan was still the oh no, Ragavan had just been banned, so it wasn't like there to make treasures and stuff. And the Delver decks weren't playing any basic island, and the control decks were all, you know, just like all jewels and nothing else. And so I thought, right, I think this deck is really good against the the upper bracket of the format. So if I can get lucky the first few rounds, I'm gonna Blood Moon these people. And obviously, I win the first round against a Reanimator, and then lose to Blue Red Delver twice. So okay, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the the idea was there, but I think. Outside like specific medicals, I think you'll just see Saga in every painter deck, essentially. Yeah, it's just it's just a way too good card. It's like for some meta games you skimp on playing Brainstorm because you are fearing Chalice of the Void. It's it's a hard saying, but I think it's yeah. comparable. <laughs> that that's a really good way to put it actually. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that. Yeah. <laughs> Not playing Brainstorm because you're gonna have Chalice. Yeah. All right, nice. <laughs> so yeah. We previously mentioned like problematic cards and matchups. I, I only put it there in the show notes like show and tell with Emrakul, uh, which is, as we previously mentioned, solvable with um, Torment Script or Soul Guide Lantern or even something like the Nihil Spellbomb and stuff like that. Yeah, this is a matchup where uh, like the game plan going in, it does look bad on paper because you can't just combo them and they're threatening a pretty scary combo as well. But this is where having an Starion Bridge main deck really, really helps. So you just you're just racing. You're using every single resource you can get to get an Starion Bridge in play. And once that's there, like it depends on the build. Like the Omnitel builds will just have a cunning wish for an Echoing Truth or something, or a Force of Vigor, or whatever. But the straight blue red versions are fairly cold to it, as far as I know. So once you get an Starion Bridge in play, and like, this is another thing where like the welders can like if you get an engineer to put the bridge in the graveyard you're then um, you know, just welding it in, so getting around counter magic. So they need to then counter the engineers, and yeah, you can yeah. usually get it in play. And then from there, it's like you need to win with Khan. So you need to be careful how many Khans you're playing and how much counter magic they're able to assemble. So yeah. you, like, you have the whole game, essentially. So you just build up Pyroblasts, and you can keep welding stuff to get value and stuff. But um, 
I don't know, you can also just activate Grindstone with the combo on them and see if they concede, because not every Chantel player realizes it does, <laughs> it does happen. <laughs> but um, yeah, generally, you just need to get an Insurian Bridge in play and then yep. go from there. Khan, find a Tormund's Crypt. Yep. Or if you have a Soul Guide Lantern main deck, then it's much yep. easier because you can get it from the Saga. Like, yep. There's ways around it. I don't think it's too bad if you have an Insurian Bridge main deck. If you don't, it's probably horrific. Yeah. Saga was a, a huge, huge bump, I would say, for the matchup. Then we have another yeah. card that's kind of hard. I mean, not that hard, which is uh, mostly from elves, which is Progenitus, which is like, it puts itself back into the deck, which is like, most yeah. of the time, they get another turn. But yeah, that's most of the it's time. It, it's usually okay. Yeah. Like, the fact that they get another turn, but if you're comboing, it probably means that they haven't Kratoofed you, or so yeah. you're not facing lethal. So you can probably just mill them out, they draw a Progenitus for their turn, and then they can't kill you. Yeah. Um, sometimes they have the the Allosaurus Shepherd to pump their team. Yeah. Like, so you, sometimes, sometimes you combo, and then you do lose to that. Um, it is what it is, but generally, if you get to activate Grindstone on them, you should be okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, the extra turn doesn't matter too much. Yeah, something that is huge there is... I'm... I really, really like my lines of diamond in the main deck, especially with playing and saying bridge, which can allow you to, yeah, decrease at instant speed your hands to zero, which is sometimes hard if you're playing cards and stuff like that because the four drops can stuck in, in hand because if you don't draw the, the yeah. second soul land, you aren't getting up to four mana and aren't allowed to cast the Karn. But that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, LED does a lot for the deck. Yeah. It's it's, I'm always 50-50 on whether to include it or not. And yeah, it's it's like fast combo and combo mirrors. Yeah. Or yeah, discarding your hand is such a such a good thing sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The lines and yeah. is is, like is a card that has niche cases, I would say, and isn't really required for the deck, but is sometimes kinda need to have him in there somewhere, even if it's the one off in the sideboard to get with Karn or yeah. any other places. And absolutely yeah if you don't have the the lines that i you aren't really needed to buy them i think you can still play the no. deck. yeah i i've had people ask that and i play one in the sideboard to can't for generally but you you can definitely play with that one it's yeah. a nice thing like the deck isn't massively expensive there's a couple of city of traitors but yeah yeah yeah, you do, like having access to one lion's eye diamond is good, but you you won't need more, yeah. and it's not necessary. Yeah, I was really really lucky that I bought bought them before the spike. If it would be oh. now, I I wouldn't bought them. So <laughs> I, I sold four just before I think. I'm yeah. definitely regretting it now, but here we are. Yeah, it's the times. It's the times. I mean, it doesn't matter mm -hmm. which which reserve this card you sold. All of them, yeah, <laughs> pretty much yeah, increased yeah. in price. <laughs> Like, I, exactly. I bought myself an Intuition for Painter because in, in my control deck, I was playing, like, Intuition for Grindstone, Painter, and Sivan Reclamation, which was also something that was kind of cool. So nice. And it spiked from 30 euros to 120, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all the reservists will spike. Yeah. So get get a couple of cities quickly, and then yeah. I think the rest of the deck isn't reserve list. Um, Apart from the LED as well. I mean... The LED, the plateaus, if you're playing Strawberry or her and other oh, yeah. versions, but yeah, dual lands yeah. are always reserve listed. So. Mm -hmm. True. But the biggest cards like Ultra Saga, Painter, Grindstone are not on the reserved list, even though Painter is getting a little bit more costy now. Because 
I, I was playing German once and I had to buy one for 40 euros now, which is <laughs> really I didn't I didn't realize they've gone up. I mean the the they've always been like the France versions, the Italian versions are at 20, but the German are okay. really really expensive now. Okay, <clears throat> but I think we will get into the section of new printings for the deck, and the first one isn't really new. It's a card that's also from Modern Horizons 2, but I know Callum, you really really like the card, and the card doesn't get recognized. A lot of it's and it's Breyer's Apprentice, which is a free drop that when it comes into play, creates a 1-1 one, one Fopter token. And I think for one mana, you can sacrifice an artifact and can excel the top card of your deck. It's zero mana. For zero mana. Okay. Yeah, you just do it. Yeah. Okay. You just sacrifice a card and excel the top card of your deck and you can play it until the end of your next turn or this turn, I would yeah. Okay. The end of the next turn. I read that wrong. Um, yeah, I I was activating and then not casting cards the next turn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For a while. Which is a. Uh, you can also. Yeah. 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 And then the other ability is you can sacrifice an artifact to pump something, which I've had come up recently. Like you make thopters, it makes a thopter, and then you just like tap two Brayers apprentices and make it a five power thopter. Yeah. I've had that come up weirdly. Yeah. I'm not actually massive on this card. I'll say. Um, it's a cool grindy engine thing. Like it's very nice with welders, and you can engineer for it and stuff. But for me, it's just it's never performed very well. Okay, I love the look of it. It looks perfect. <laughs> it's just it's never played very well for me. Okay. Weirdly, so, yeah. So it's are you into it? So it's kind of misconception of me because I always see you just including the one <laughs> of Bray's apprentice and being like one of the yeah. I keep giving it a shot. Yeah. Like. I think on paper it looks great. It does all these things that the deck wants. It can sacrifice random artifacts to draw cards. Yeah. As you said in your other things, sometimes you really want to sacrifice artifacts to put in the graveyard for the welders. Um, it makes two bodies. Colorless Thopters are really good at blocking Merit Lages and um, Merktide Regents and stuff. It does a lot of things. And it just looks great on paper. But then every time it's like, I don't know, three manos, <laughs> a bunch. Um, it just, just doesn't get there for me. So I'll keep trying it. Yeah. There was a version with um, eight soul lands and blood sons that Marius Hausman made. I tried it a few times, but uh, he played three or four of them. Yeah. I don't know. I'll keep trying. But... Yeah. yeah, on paper, this card is just too good because not only does it grind on itself, but it's an artifact creature on itself. It comes into play, makes another artifact creature, and yeah, Goblin Welder can sack the token to to bring something back or can trade the the apprentice for another card in the graveyard the next turn you just put it back again have another and uh have another top the token created so you're just generating card advantage with like making multiple artifacts uh out of one artifact that you sacrifice mm -hmm. with with the engineer or the welder yeah the thing is i've just found ico wellspring to do the same thing yep. but for a bit less mana and it's you know harder to interact with doesn't get swords or something yeah i mean you're okay you're happy with that exchange but i don't know it's like it's a grindy card but it it costs mana like more mana and just i don't know the deck grinds already pretty well and it, it doesn't add quite enough yeah that's true yeah. that's true i mean what's a saga is just the grinders card that the, the deck has got yeah, yeah. May maybe it says a saga like because you use you have mana sinks already. You've got yeah. Saga. You've got Imperial Recruiter. You've got Khans. Like the deck is mana hungry. Um, yeah. So. That's true. That's true. Then we have another card that's good at grinding, 
which is a new card now from how's the new card? Kamigawa Kamigawa Neon Edition or something like that. Neon Dynasty. Dynasty. Yeah. <laughs> I keep saying Destiny. Keep saying it, but it's yeah. Yeah, which is like the Ninja Turtle set that came out. <laughs> <laughs> and experimental synthesizer um, is kinda a one mana equal spring, but on the other hand, it is not. Uh, when it comes mm -hmm. into play, it exiles the top card of your library and you can cast it for this turn. And it does the same thing when it leaves the battlefield. So it's kind of a two for one on itself if you can sacrifice it for a target with Goblin Welder. I mean, it's a three for one, exact, especially if you get another artifact out of it. And it can sacrifice itself for two and a red to create a two two samurai creature token. And mm -hmm. so it can make a body that does something. I mean, a 2-2 on the ground isn't really that impressive for legacy standards, but it's still a creature. And it, if you activate it, you still get the card from the top of your deck. But the misconception yeah. is uh, Eco-Wellspring is definitely a true drop artifact. You drop it on turn 2, you draw a card, or you drop it on turn 1 with an Ancient Tomb or... Yeah, most of the time an Ancient Tomb because you don't want to play out your... How's the other one card called? The Great Furnace? No, lands, no the, the, the land that helps for do the second soul land. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because City. you have to sacrifice it if you play another yeah. land. And yeah, yeah. That's that's a problem if you play it. But Eco Wellspring can be played on turn one and draws you a card. And this one yeah. is more turn two, turn three play because you want to play the card on top of your deck. And it says play and not cast, which means you can get the land off. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, you still have to respect that you can excel a painter that you have to play then. Or if you're playing Khans, and I don't think that this is a card that wants to go in a deck with Khan, because you just can't play the four drop of the synthesizer. And yeah, I think the card... I very much agree, yeah. I think the card will be played, but in a, a Velda-heavy archetype, which is basically really, really low to the ground, which ends at maximum free drops and stuff like that. But, yeah. Yeah, makes sense to me. I, I tried it a bunch last weekend without cons, but um, with, like, and no recruiters as well, but with Oswalds and some other stuff and twin shot snipers. So the curve was high, it had some things, bad hits and stuff, but you're right, it is a turn two, turn three. I think, honestly, it's like a more turn three, turn four play, unless you're really, okay. unless you're building it in and not having to pay the mana. Like, I don't know, it just leads to weird play patterns where, yeah. I think you're right, like, I'm I'm just looking at it from the Imperial or Shortcake view where, like, you know, you do have these more expensive cards, but you, you're playing a lot of reactive things like Pyroblast yeah. or Lightning Bolts or stuff like that. Or you're playing these like tutor targets um, from the engineer or whatever. So I think you're right. If you're playing a build with like more low to the ground, more artifacts, um, probably Mox Opals as well and stuff, and more just zero and one mana things, it's pretty good there. Um, especially when you're running the eight goblins and stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah I think we'll I think we'll see a, maybe there. But it's like. Do those decks even want this more than a one of? Like, and then if you're engineering for it, you might still have Wellspring. Yeah, um, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's okay. It's a cool yeah. card. Um, I think it's just if it had the until your next turn clause, then it'd be fine. But it's just when I was playing it, I'd play it turn three and not hit a land, and you'd hit like a two drop, and then you'd play it, and that two drop would get dazed, and then it's <laughs> like you've spent your 
turn three, like playing an awkward turn for not much gain, yeah. and then you're being attacked back and stuff. It's yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. It it looks on the first side really really good, but if you think about it, really, it's a hard card to play with and to build the deck with. And yeah. I, for my said, I think it would fit good into my shell, which is like the Esper Sentinel, low to the ground, playing for uh, plateaus and stuff like that, not relying on soul lands. I think there it can have its space. I mean, it makes the, the Mox Opal way better in the deck. But yeah, it's kind of in there. I can play it as a turn two play because I have a lot of lands to play. I have a lot of uh, zero-cost artifacts that I can hit, like the Lines of Diamond, the, the Moxopal, the Lotus Petals and stuff like that. But if you are on a higher curve, like the Imperial versions or the Shortcake versions, with like four Imperial Recruiter, Khans and stuff like that, the Ensnaring Bridges, maybe even Trinsphere or the Fancy Bowler Citadel we see, um, you... <laughs> you have a way too high curve that you are allowed to play a card that excels the top that you have to play this turn. Uh, then you play just the Ecovel Spram. It puts the cards directly yeah. into your hand and it's just way, way better. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I would just try and stop your curve at two, essentially. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's true. And another card, which is, I think it's a common or an uncommon from, again, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. And it's Twin Shot Sniper, which is a, a four drop artifact creature. I think it's four two. Uh two three. It's a two three. Okay. Completely yeah. budget as deadline. Uh, <laughs> but it deals uh two damage to Go goblins aren't allowed to be good, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it deals two damage to target creature, I think. Or target oh, any target. To to any target when it comes into play. Yeah. And it has channel for one and the red. To, to discard from your hand and does the same effect I think yeah exactly yeah. so I told you to put this on because I think I think the card is great in Imperial yeah. um, probably just as a one-off maybe two um, it's just great like so the channel thing can't be counted apart from like Stifle or whatever so you can like ping a Delver you can ping a Collector Roof you can ping a Dragon Rage Channeler before they have um, Delirium and yeah. stuff you can like help finish off planeswalkers, random jaces, narsets, teferis, and stuff. Like it's instant speed interaction to kill a whole breacher if they have a teferi in play. Uh, had that come up. It's just like I see it as the channel, so it's a two mana shock which can't be countered. Fine, but it then discards itself, and so it's an artifact, so you can weld it back in. Um, it's just a really nice thing to weld in. It gives you a lot of little plays. You can recruit her for it because it's a two three, yep. so it's got low enough power. Um, yeah, I think it'll just be a one-off, but it's a very nice thing to have in the deck. And just, I think it's a good thing to randomly draw, and it's a fine thing to tutor for in these yeah. kind of matchups. Like, you're going to be playing against these random creatures that you need to kill as well. It just, it's going to be a two-for-one a lot of the time, so yeah. really nice little addition. The only drawback on the card is that it's a four-drop, which means that you can't weld it in with the Engineer. So... yeah. This could have been a three drop. It's really not that good. <laughs> Come on, wizards! It's really not that good. But like, but hey, yeah, yeah. I, I wish it was three. But but here we are. Yeah, it's it's still a really really good card, because yeah, as you mm -hmm. said, imperialing it into your hands to then uncounterable shock any creature. It's yeah. it's just a really really big thing. Collector roof is a card that really gives us a problem as well. So. Very, I've lost a lot of games against the kind of the Yorion Green Sun Zenith blue decks, which they like just Green Sun Zenith up the 
the um, collector roof and yep. then have like counter magic to protect it. Yep. Here, like they're not, they're probably not going to counter an Imperial recruiter. Uh, they think, okay, well, I'll let them spend three mana. Yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And it's a goblin, so <laughs> we can be more goblins. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, and another thing is that yeah. With Utsusaga running around, you can have something like a 5-5 token that you can attack with two of them and they jump with a Merc Tide and then you can basically channel the Merc Tide down and something like that. That is something that is not that unreasonable to have. That's true, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. No, no, definitely. It's one of these things I can see that coming up. Yeah. So, I think we, we get to our two later or the two least l latest topics of the cast here <laughs> and we make a small keep or mal decision um i think we will make a small article for greatness at any cost.com uh, to yeah to show you the list or make a link for for the pictures and stuff like that um so that yeah the listeners can see the cards too because it's yeah I think it's good to, to, to see it so that you can think about it more. I will say all the cards that you have in hand um, and the si situation. Um, so, yeah. So, about the first starting hand, it's on the draw against an unknown opponent. You have imp it's uh, this time it's for strawberry shortcake. So, you can have, you can expect the. Enlightened two to deck, you can expect the Ephus one canonist. But yeah, as we already said, you don't have the cantrips to find the specific cards, so most of the time you have to work with the starting hand that you have. So let's talk now about the first starting hand we have. The first starting hand contains with uh, Imperial Recruiter, City of Traitors, Lines of Diamonds, Painter Servant, a Wooded Foothills, a Goblin Welder, and a pyroblast. So you are on the draw. Do you keep this hand or do you not? Yeah, I would. I would keep this pretty fast. Yeah. It's not like one, one of the best hands I've ever seen, but you have a couple of lands. Um, especially you want the wooded foothills to fetch for like a basic mountain. So at least you have your first land installation from wasteland. City of Traders is a soul land. Obviously, you have Tomon plays. You have like wooded foothills into mountain for a goblin welder probably. Um, if you think you're against like a combo deck, you could try and leave up Pyroblast, but I think you usually just go Painter. Um, you're actually pretty close to comboing as well. The moment you draw yep. a Grindstone, as long as the Goblin Welder stays in play, you can use the Lion's Eye Diamond to like activate and discard a Grindstone or something. You can use the three mana to to um, activate the Grindstone. Yeah, this is this is like very close to comboing, and then it also has you know a couple of lands and an Imperial Recruiter to play. If your first Painter Servant gets bolted, you have the Welder to like threaten more things. And also, like, it's turn two, you can play a, the Painter off the city and have red up with the Pyroblast yep. for other combo matchups. So I think it's a very good hand, really. Yeah, I would think so, too. As you said, the, the Grindstone enables a fast combo, something that you can still keep in mind if you don't draw the, the Grindstone. You can still Imperial Recruit the Frank Goblin Engineer to get you the Grindstone if you really, really need it. Um, and then you have... This almost, this almost threatens it, like, turn two, because you can go... Um, turn to Imperial Recruiter uh, with the trigger on the stack, sack Lion's Eye Diamond, go and get an Engineer. Yep. But then you don't have an artifact in play. But yeah, it, it's doing a bunch of things. It's You have a bunch of plays open depending on the matchup, so I like it a lot. Yep. 
yeah, that's that's definitely true. So these are kind of the the hands that you look for as a gr a ground to to middle level that you want to keep your hands with. I would say. So yeah, for the second hand, this is a completely different hand because you have an ancient tomb. You have two lotus petals, you have a grindstone, a goblin welder, an appeal recruiter, and the red elemental blast. It's on the play one, versus <laughs> an, an unknown opponent, yeah. Mm, this is so tough because oh, you have, you're kind of trying to combo pretty fast. Um, but like, you just lose so hard to wasteland on that ancient tomb. Yeah. Um, so when I'm thinking, if, if I'm keeping, like, what are you doing in turn one? Yeah. Do you play the Ancient Tomb and just play the Grindstone? Do you, like, play the Pedals? You probably play the Pedals out just to have a Red Elemental Blast if they're a quick show-and-tell deck or something. Um, I think what you would do if you keep this hand is play Ancient Tomb, both Pedals out, and then use one of the Pedals to play Imperial Recruiter and get Painter's Servant. Yeah. Um, here, then, then you're looking at, like, you know, you've got an Ancient Tomb in play, you've got another Petal in play with a Red Elemental Blast, and then you have Goblin Welder and Grindstone and Painter Seven in hand. Um, you're still just losing so hard to Wasteland. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. I'm not actually sure here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I think I'd keep it, but it's very close. I could definitely be wrong here. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a really really hard, because it's it's the 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 game is really, really different uh, how you do the turn one, if you play the Grindstone, if you play the Imperial Recruiter, as I said. I think Imperial mm -hmm. Recruiter for Painter would also be my line if I had to keep the hand. But I think I'd also play the Welder with the second petal. Just just only because you have the Grindstone as another artifact to put into play. Yeah. Like, and the Painter. Um, yeah, nothing's beating a Wasteland, unless you just draw more lands, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would also be, I'd be looking to play out both the Recruiter and the Welder turn one, probably. Yeah. Yeah, would would be another kind of good play. Yeah, it's it's really really dependent on the top of your deck or the shuffle top mm -hmm. of your deck if you play the recruiter. But that's a good way to put it because, like we were saying earlier, when you're not playing cantrip decks, you do um, accept that this this is a kind of hand that you know has fast wins. So um, if you draw LED, <laughs> you you win <laughs> next turn, right? So yeah, I yeah think just so, yeah. plan for that. But I, I I think yeah, now you say it like that. I think this is a keep, and yeah. you accept that there's some things you beat, some things you lose to. Yeah. If if we know the matchup, something like, if we know that's against a slower deck, I think we can mulligan it. If it's against a fast yeah. deck, I think you are pretty in line to keep it, because you're... Yeah, like, I wouldn't keep this against Delver, yeah. and I wouldn't be happy about keeping it against Control, because the Lotus Petals are just very poor to be using for colored mana there. Yeah. Um, and they also play Wasteland these days. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I think you keep it and hope that it either lines up well, the top of your deck is nice to you, or it's like a combo mirror. Yeah. As yeah. As we said, if is if this is against something like Reanimate and stuff like that, you just put out your pretty much whole hand on turn one and just hope that you draw a good card on turn two and win the game. So mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, by playing the painter on turn one as well, you you really insulate yourself against uh discard. It's actually Good for you if you get discarded turn one if if you play the painter out. Yeah, because your hand is your hand is just like, I guess you have the red and the metal blast. Okay, yep. they discard that, but yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. 
So let's move on to the next keeper mal decision. Um, this one is again on the draw versus an unknown opponent, which consists of a Blundstamp Maya, an ancient tomb, a Goblin Welder, a Lotus Petal, another Lotus Petal, and an Imperial Recruiter. And the painter, I think. And the painter, Maybe yeah. You mentioning that. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, this this hand is great. Uh, it's the kind of hand where you know you have plays. The Goblin Welder um, probably comes down first um, off a, off a basic mountain in the blind. Yeah. Uh, you have the pedals to just like play around the daisies and stuff if you need to. I love starting with the basic land on turn one of these decks, unless you know it's like a com a combo thing. Um, you have the Imperial Recruiter to play turn two around days as well if you want for an engineer probably that's what I'd usually get here that's going to search for the grindstone and then going from there you're looking at yourself with like a, a welder and a recruiter in play with an engineer in hand and a painter in hand and from there you should be able to find a win yeah. um, I, I just like these hands with multiple mana sources because yeah. you know you get you get to do your plan yeah. And this deck is pretty. Uh, this hand is quite good against removal. Um, like they, you're threatening. They need three pieces of removal: one for the welder, two for the the painter, and then whatever you search off the recruiter. Yeah. So yeah, good hand. Definitely, definitely. Because yeah, imperial recruiter just allows you to get basically yeah every artifact in your deck because imperial recruiter for goblin engineers just a nice combo there yeah. to to get yourself. You don't have any interaction, so like. I would love one of these Lizard Petals to be like a Pyroblast or a uh, Lightning Bolt or anything that kind of just interacts with the opponent a little bit. But again, you have your own game plan to yep. to kind of try and kill them turn three or turn four. So that's good. Yeah. So they have to be fast as well. Now I have a pretty, pretty interesting hand. This <laughs> this hand is on the, on the draw versus the Epic Storm. You have a Great Furnace, an Arid Mesa, so two lands. You have three Lotus Petals, a Khan the Great Greater, and a Goblin Welder. Do you keep the hand Fast, or not? Fastest keep of my life. Absolutely slam keep this. I've this is the ideal hand against the Epic Storm. There's nothing else like Okay, you could have two cons <laughs> <laughs> and like a, a soul land so that you can guarantee a turn one con. But funnily enough, I just submitted a um through the looking glass for painter versus the Epic Storm yesterday. And they said, like, how do you want to win the match? I was like, play a Khan. Like, <laughs> yeah, just play a Khan. They can beat it. They, they sideboard in Chain of Vapors, and they can have some wins that aren't, like, using artifacts. But, yeah, this is just snap for yeah. me. I mean, the Epic Stone specifically doesn't play any uh, Chain of Vapors anymore. So it's okay. a big plus. They are currently on Abrupt Decays. I thought I... I thought so. Uh, Bryant came second in the challenge on the weekend, and he had one in the sideboard, I believe. Oh yeah, there, there is. Yeah, there's the one of yeah. There was, there was one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I can't remember if they're back on Thoughtseize, but like, if they are, and your can't get Thoughtseize, I mean, that's it. It's fine. Yeah. Your can't got Thoughtseized, but you're threatening to almost essentially win the game on turn one. So. Yeah. If they turn one kill you, like you're not finding a better hand against a turn one kill. Yep. There's nothing you can do. So yeah, uh, keep it and hope that it works. <laughs> I love it. I'll keep this. Yeah. And and to be clear, obviously you play turn one card, not the well <laughs> first. Okay. okay. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> I wasn't sure what it would do. <laughs> but yeah, in that matchup, I am willing to mulligan down to five for either a Khan or like a turn two combo. Uh, yeah. I mulligan incredibly aggressively there. 
I think this is yeah. As I said, you, you have to mulligan for yeah, basically the good cards in the matchups. Because I'm playing the Ethos One Cannonist, I'm yeah. If I don't have a turn one goblin engineer to two drop any of those or have it in hand, I'm probably not keeping it. I for myself are also playing uh two deepening silences in the sideboard. So yeah, mulliganing pretty aggressively for those. And you seem to have a great storm matchup. <laughs> I mean I, I'm not playing Khan in the matchup, so because Oh true, yeah. Because yeah. without yeah. any soul lands, I don't think that I'm allowed to bring in Khan. Because I need yeah, makes sense. Uh, the whole bunch of painters, the whole bunch of grindstones, just to be fast with the combo myself if they get rid of the the deepening silence or the first one cannonist. Makes sense to me, yeah. Yeah. So the last keeper mal decision. This one is on the play versus blue red Delva. You have an ancient tomb, a plateau, a grindstone. Uh, painter servant, the lotus petal, a pyroblast, and the current. Is this a keep or is it not? So on first looking at it, it looks like a really good hand. Yep. Um, you have probably a turn one painter. You have the combo in hand. Um, you have a pyroblast. You can play like a turn one servant with pedal up for pyroblast. It's a keep, but it's not as good as I think first reactions will say. Um, again, like I just always have wasteland on my mind. It's the thing with wasteland is. Against like strong openers as well, they're just they're gonna be more inclined to to fire them off if they feel like they need to get lucky as well. So um, Khan is also pretty bad against Delver, so I'm not super happy to have that in my opening hand. Um, like I, I generally sideboard them out, um, but here I think it's a keep. The hand is good. It's a very good hand actually. It's just one that you need to accept can go wrong. Yeah. Um, and actually, I think I would value the Ancient Tomb higher than the Plateau, given the hand, because you have the Lotus Petal for the Pyroblast. So I would just go Plateau, Grindstone, and yeah. I would also not play the Pedal out for fear of Meltdown quickly. Yep. So I'd just go Plateau, Grindstone, and see what they do. And then next turn, plan to like play Ancient Tomb, play Lotus Petal, play the Painted Servant. Then you have a Pyroblast for a potential Meltdown um, up with the Lotus Petal to pay for days. And then you're going into your next turn with... Like essentially an ancient human plateau yep. and the grindstone and the painter. Yep. Um, depends on their interaction, obviously, but yeah, that's how I would approach this hand and be fairly happy with it. But yeah, yeah I think it's just not quite as slam dunk good as it looks. No, on, on first set, it looks really, really good, but yeah, the gameplay is quite hard on it because yeah, Days is a really, really car, uh, is a card that is really, really good versus this hand. A wasteland just, mm -hmm. yeah, is really really rough because yeah. yeah basically starting on a mulligan to six and mm -hmm. because the current isn't really castable in this hand versus this matchup yeah it's nice to like so if they don't have a wasteland hand if they have like a a force on your painter kind of thing and then uh daze a little bit if they're not wastelanding your lands the con is legit like you could just draw another soul land and yep. play it out um it's it's okay but yeah yeah um i think you're just I do like the Lotus Petal a lot to allow you to like play the Painter turn two with Pyroblast and with Days up for like, yep. you know. Again, I just always have Meltdown at the front of my mind and <laughs> terrified of that. So you can Pyroblast it with the Lotus Petal to pay for Days. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Meltdown is a really, really big player now in the meta game. A, yeah. a shame that. It's funny because it it's so brutal against even Imperial and Shortcake. But as we said earlier, you only play like 10 to 12 artifacts, but. It's just, 
you're, these are artifacts you play out and you play to the board and you play under counter magic and then they get to catch up by doing everything. Yeah. Another card you should be aware of is um, Hitsugu Consumes All. Uh, it's like three mana enchantment, uh, black, red, and one. And when it ETBs, you destroy all <laughs> permanents with mana cost one or less. Yeah. Um, I was playing eight casts against that the other night, and it just destroyed me. So, <laughs> I think I think it's a, I think it's actually quite a good card in Legacy. So, it's meltdown esque that we should be aware of. Yeah, it basically clears your board for except painter, yeah. engineer, and the imperial recruiters that are running around. And a yeah. huge factor is the second phase, which is exile all graveyards, which is yeah, so because. Such a pain for the the lovely little welders. They use all their toys. Yeah, and it's it's on the on the one side, painter really really relies on its graveyard, but on the other side, it does not really rely on the graveyard. It's it's a form of attack that it has, but if the access to graveyard is prohibited, it's not a slam dunk win for any deck. So if they start with yeah. a leyland, it's kind of okay-ish you still have the tools with a power blaster to clean it with a with a painter zone and stuff like that but most of the time you don't need it because you have the Urza Saga to fetch up the the grindstone and can keep the power blast to to deal with any removal spells regarding the painter absolutely and yeah I think we will come down to the last question Callum what are your favorite pimps for painter so i'm I, i'm not much of a pimp person i love old frames yeah. and so i'm not into foils i used to be into japanese cards and then i've moved away so for me like actually has as you have in these screenshots is like pretty much how my painted it looks um, okay like if we've got these uh the shadow more painters got the ice age pyroblast the tempest lotus petals the, the tempest to ancient tombs um, I do have the old frame Goblin Engineers, so I'm all about yeah, just like old frame where possible, non foil, everything that I can, like earliest printing essentially. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's the same for me for all decks. Yeah. Um, I just like old frames where possible and the oldest printing basically. So we are pretty much the same. It's the same for me. I'm yeah, I'm excellent. I'm playing <laughs> only old frames. I try to to play the the oldest version of the cards. I try to be. Now, I've got I've got them next to me as well. My blood moons aren't the dark. This is really bad. I know, I know. <laughs> but I, I all all the Instarian bridges I have are stronghold as well. Yeah. Um, it's what mountains do you use? If or what basics do you use? I I use um how which edition it is it? I have to search it up. Uh, I'm using Tempest um basics uh altered Pakai Savatari, with uh, oh yes I saw them they're yeah. awesome with. Yeah. Basically, Ultra Saga fetch targets. Uh, one with and retrofit the foundry. I'm using a mountain with a painter on it, altered. That's so cool. I might, I might have to copy you. That's awesome. And yeah. another mountain with the grindstone altered on it to it, which is that's super cool. Really, really nice. I'm using yeah, yeah. oldest version of printings. I'm now using the retro framed fetch lands uh, from Modern Horizons two. I've got those as well. <laughs> nice. And yeah, yeah I have uh, locally altered uh, ice, ice age, pyroblasts. I have nice. beta um, red elemental blasts, which I bought for cheap. For those, those I don't have. I have 
I think they're either I think they're Spanish. I have yeah. Red elemental bars. Oh, I don't know if you see here. Yeah. Okay. Black border though. And then these are the mountains I have for Imperial. They're the old Ice Age ones. These are gorgeous, yeah. I love it. So I have like so when Astrolay was legal, I got twelve because I was like, obviously you need all snowlands. And then I have been using either Beta Basics or Mirage is like my favorite basics. So I use Mirage for almost every single deck, but for Painter, I just love this old Ice Age yeah. mountain. So That's cool. I've got a bunch of them in Imperial. And specific question, question which Torment script do you use? Okay, I have, I have one nice one. Let me find, I don't know if it's here. I, so I have one from the dark. And so I actually only play one in paper because I don't want to play any other ones. <laughs> it's so bad. So I have one from the dark and then the rest I have time shifted ones. So okay. old border as well from whatever the first yeah. time shifted set was. I got. I think I have three or four, four of them. So yeah. yeah. I've got myself a, a Japanese, um, was it Chronicles? It has the, the dark symbol yes. on it uh, because this is the, the black bordered, old bordered and not time shifted variant. And I think this is a really gorgeous. I'm using currently, um, is it, um, yeah, black bordered sourced plowshares German ones, which I bought myself from, yeah, as a, a store in Vienna, freeforone.com. I cannot recommend them nice. one more. They have, yeah, a lot of the pimp cards that legacy players want. And for cans, I use specifically the version from the secret layer. It was the only secret layer that got my interest and I yeah, mm -hmm. using the cans from there. Yeah, my cons are just the, the World of Spark ones. I'm like 50-50 on, like, I, I like old borders, yeah. but I, I also just like first set printings. Yeah. So I'm always like unsure. So the engineers was an easy change to the, yeah. the old border. But for me, I'm like, so I traded for a card two weeks ago, which I am so happy with. It's just Goblin Settler, I'm showing you. Yeah. This card is terrible. Four <laughs> mana, one, one, when ETBs, you destroy a land. But I traded for it and it's worth like 50 pounds. But I was just like, I love this card. I'm going to get it. And I wouldn't play a black border version because it's a white border from like a portal starter set. Okay. I wouldn't play a promo over it. I would play like, I just love the first printing of things. So, yeah. Yeah. First printing is also something that I really, really enjoy. But I'm more the guy that... Just includes the the old bordered ones or the black bordered ones if the the old one isn't black bordered currently. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it was a really really big sucker for for white bordering cards, but yeah. Yeah, I've got. I'll be honest. I like for paper because um, unless it's like a big tournament, I I don't take it too seriously. Um, I have four ensnaring bridges, but one of them is like white border, and three of them are strongholds. So I whenever I'm playing a like um, what's called lantern at my my shop i always play three bridges because i can't bring myself to put the the ugly <laughs> the, the odd one out <laughs> the ugly duckling in i mean um so, yeah. i i have four blood moons and mm -hmm. they are all different versions so i have oh so you, you can't play bluffing <laughs> sorry it's just how it works <laughs> you're not allowed one of them is even french white bordered so <laughs> oh god can i can i retract doing this whole podcast it's, oh god we are too far in we are too far in <laughs> yeah yeah so like, i've got the recording oh the, the, i will say I, I don't have any blood moons yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um i forgot to mention my imperial recruiters are the the masters ones okay yeah so um i've forgotten what the set was actually called uh, anniversary 25 yeah. so 
I would like to have the other ones. This is where I would take white border just for the old thing. Yep. I love the old art. Um, they're just really expensive. So yeah, <laughs> that's, that's... I was on the on the brink of buying them back in the days. Uh, back in the days, it was like a year ago or something like that. But mm. yeah, I think At I will the... upgrade them one day. Yeah. But I actually really like this this art on the new ones as well. I think it's cool. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. The problem for me Happy was them, that yeah. yeah, they printed it into Modern Horizons two and stuff like that, and it got legal mm -hmm. for modern and card spiked from thirty euros to two hundred and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh shit! <laughs> I didn't realize that. <laughs> okay, uh, but yeah, one day I think painter is one of these things where, like, as I said earlier in the podcast, I've always loved it and I've always wanted to like delve into the deck deeper. It's only been the last two-ish years that I've gone like uh, really into it. I had the cards before, but I think you know I'll just continue to play it for the rest of my life, and eventually I'll uh, get get the nice recruiters yep. and nice blood moons and all these things. Yeah, it's it's the same for me. It's it's the f the first archetype that really really hooked me. I even bought myself my first um, black bordered plateau now, again from Ooh, nice. three for one. And yeah, it's yeah, great. it's just yeah, paint is is an archetype that uh, you either really really like or you don't. And with Painter coming around, I've dug myself really, really deep into permanent combo. I'm now trying something like Helm of Obedience and stuff like that, which is another mid-rangey, as I played, mid-rangey A plus B combo deck. But Painter mm -hmm. is just deep in my heart. <laughs> and Yeah, there's something about it. It's just, I love that it's just this little dorky scarecrow. Like, yeah. the cards are so likable as well, like Painter Servant and Goblin Welder for me, like... I don't know if I've hinted at it, but I'm a big, big fan of goblins as well. Yeah. It's another one of the decks that I that I have and play in paper when I can and stuff. So it's just like this. I love artifacts and I love goblins and painter is just this mashing together of all things I like. It's just beautiful. Yeah, it's it's just a really, really good deck to play with, to learn. And it has so many niche cases that you can play. And if you really, really wanted to, we can make like... A ten episode series: How to play paint, how to play <laughs> totally. each turn cycle, and how do you use welder there and there? And it's just a deck that you can really, really learn. Just as like Death and Texas and stuff like that. It's so yeah. many corner it cases. Has, it has so much replayability, right? Yeah. So every almost all games are different. Like sometimes you just have a turn one ancient tomb painter servant, turn two another ancient tomb grindstone mill you. Uh, I. I've grown to really appreciate like these kind of free win games. Sometimes you get like to to do well in Legacy, you do need to have these free win games where you just, just like you know have a really good hand and you have yourself there. Y you can grind really well. Like before Uro, it happened more, but it still happens now where you play an Imperial recruiter, get another Imperial recruiter <laughs> to get another Imperial recruiter, and you just attack your control opponents with like one ones, and then you have these these goblin engineers and welders lying around and. In the past, that was like a real win con against Miracles. You just have all these 1-1s one and stuff, yeah. and you would just attack them down. Sometimes you're playing like a Khan control deck. Like, I've enjoyed having Trinisphere in the deck sometimes, and so you play this mana denial kind of game. Um, this is just talking about the red versions as well. Yeah. So there's like <laughs> fast fast combo blue versions. As you said, there's your versions, which are more mid-rangey. Yeah. Like, what's cool about the deck is I've really encouraged some other people I've spoken to recently to get into it because... It's not something. That it's gonna. It's, it's a combo that's always gonna be here. It's never gonna be too good. It's never gonna like. It's, it's already had things banned from it due to blue decks. So, yep. 
there's just so many ways of building it, so many ways of playing it. It's just deep. You learn so much about the format with it as well. There's some really weird interactions, like you say. You get very rewarded for like knowing how the stack works and all these, especially the welder tricks. Like yeah. the most common trick, just in case anyone doesn't know, is you um, activate grindstone, hold priority, and then use a welder to weld out for a painter. It happens a lot. Yeah. These little things that now, like for us painter players, is probably normal. <laughs> I don't know. Like these get people, and um, yeah, yeah, it's just very rewarding to keep practicing the deck, basically. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's just yeah knowledge into a single deck which can translate into multiple decks and the same engine can learn your new archetypes and i think that is something that is really really valuable when you have something that you are yeah used to but are playing a different archetype now and maybe you play without paint and now playing another deck and stuff like that but you learned the concepts of of the game with painter your toy that you used to laugh forever <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean look you play counter spells you play pyroblast you play removal spells yeah. you play pyroblast you play land disruption you play pyroblast uh, it's it, all the things <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's really really great and yeah i think we can stop the episode here one and half an hour in we talked about lots of painter lots of grindstone lots of different cards there and yeah so just to link your show socials uh where can we find you Kellen? good question i always forget this when we do every day eternal um it's at, Cal at callum smith mtg on twitter and i always say that i sometimes stream but i don't really so um, yeah mostly twitter i spend most of my work day uh, just shit posting and stuff so yeah hit me up on twitter it's the main thing that's good so you can oh also, also i i do do the, the a podcast as well yeah called everyday eternal so <laughs> go and check that out as well yeah, yeah, yeah. if you haven't known Kellen, uh he's yeah as i said everyday eternal podcast together with julian and mm. yeah a really really good podcast listen to it it was one of my first podcasts that brought me i, I was listening to when playing legacy yeah me too it was it was the first one for me as well so joining it was like oh my god <laughs> no pressure <laughs> yeah yeah so about this podcast or this podcast you can find the in response podcast at response under the legacy on twitter uh yeah please leave a review on spotify itunes apple podcast wherever it happens and yeah you can find me it's at unicorn lord the o in the lord is a zero on twitter and not on Instagram. We have to keep it. It's a running gag within the show. And yeah, in response, the end. This was in response, a legacy podcast. If you enjoyed the ride, feel free to support the show by following, leaving a review, or subscribe on patreon.com slash response underscore legacy.